Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, we begin a new series entitled Core. We'll be sharing the four core values of Connection Church, which are invest, invite, serve, and encourage. In this message, our discipleship pastor, Billy Shiver, shares how we should invest because Christ first invested in us. Well, good morning. Welcome to Connection Church. If this is uh, your first time with us, we're so honored that you're here and glad you chose to worship with us. Um, this morning, and uh, it's going to be a good morning, so I'm really excited. Uh, you chose a good morning to come because we're actually kicking off a new series entitled Core. Um, this is the first week, and, and basically what our core values here at the church are, are invest, invite, serve, and encourage. I'll say those with me. Get your four fingers. Here we go. Invest, invite, serve, and encourage. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be going through these things and explaining what they mean. And the cool thing about it is, is they're not just the core values of our church. It's also things that Jesus did. And if our desire is to be like Christ, these are the things that we want to do. Jesus invested in people, his 12 disciples. He's invested in us. He invited people. He invited people to come behind him and follow him. He served people. He washed the disciples' feet. And he also encouraged people um, to follow him and to do things. So really our core values are really non-negotiables of things that we have to do f- to fulfill the vision in which God's given us for our church. And those are the things. So, so they're very important. And that's to, today we'll be speaking about this one called invest. And, and we're going to be coming from second Corinthians chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, um, would you turn there with me? If you don't sky Bible, you'll get that in a minute. And we're going to start In verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, listen to this. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard No one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be no sin, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen to that again. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Pray with me. Lord God, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you for reconciling us back to you, God. I thank you for every person that's in this room. Lord, I just pray as we dig into your word, God, that you would open our eyes to the light of your gospel, God. So I pray right now that you would hide me behind your gospel, God, if we're dependent on it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so invest. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And the thing that I want you to take away, if you don't hear anything else I say, what I want you to remember 
is we invest because we love the God who first invested in us. All right, so listen to that again. If you got your pen, you can write that down. That's, that's the takeaway for the message, so you remember. We invest because we love the God who first invested in us. Think about it like this. We invest out of a love for the God who first invested in us. So that begs to ask the question, okay, well, how is God invested in us? I mean, if that's our motivation behind everything that we do, all the investing that we're going to do, then we need to know how he's invested in us, right? And the answer to that question is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want each one of you to know in here, that you were created for a purpose. And you, it's not to play sports. It's not to work in the job that you're doing. It's not to get married. It's not to have kids. It's not to do all those things. Ultimately, it's, those things are great things. I'm not saying they're bad things. But ultimately, we were created to be in a relationship with God. Because if we were created for all these things, take, we're created to play sports. What happens if we get injured and those sports go away? Have we lost our purpose? What happens if we get married and something, by all means, no, but happens to our wife or happens to our husband and that's taken away? Do we have no purpose anymore? What if we're created for our kids to have kids? What if something happens to those kids? Are we lost all our purpose? So what I want you to know is we're all created to be in a relationship with God. And our highest joy is found in that. It's how God designed us. Colossians 1 says that Christ created us for him. We're created by him and for him. So the thing we have to know is that we're, that's what we're created for. We are on earth to be in a personal relationship with God. But here's the problem. God is holy. Holy just means set apart. He is above all. He is righteous. He is just in all of his ways. He's perfect. And the problem with us is we're sinful, right? And the term sin is just an archery term. Like if I'm shooting a bow at a circular archery target and there's a bullseye in the middle, if I shoot and miss that target, I've sinned. That's where the word comes from. And what it means is God has a standard. That bullseye is God's standard and it's perfection and holiness. And we've missed that. And not only have we missed it, we have no way of working our way to get back to that. So I can't come to church enough. I can't be in enough Bible studies. I can't go on enough mission trips. I can't read my Bible enough. I can't pray enough. I can't do all these things that we do to try to earn our favor before God. There's only one thing that can do that. And, and think about it like this. If God, Colossians talks about God viewing our sin in a legal way. So if you put God in a courtroom, just, all right, y'all envision with me, we're in a courtroom and, and, and God looks down at us and he's here and we're here or either here. We're either guilty of the sin or we're innocent. There's no middle ground. It's not, okay, well, he's a pretty good person. You know, he does this. No, it's either you're guilty you're innocent. And we could sit here and go through the Ten Commandments, but I don't think I have to convince you guys that, that you've sinned against a perfect holy God. We've all messed up. And even if we live perfect for the rest of our life, we have a past. And when God views down, he either sees us as guilty or innocent. And the thing about that is, is that our sin has to be punished. A just God looks at somebody who's in a courtroom and says, either you got the DUI or you didn't get the DUI. Either you murdered that person or you didn't murder that person. 
There's no middle ground. Oh man, your dad's a good person. You know, I know your family, you're awesome football, but we can't do this to your life so you can walk away. No, that's not just. We don't want a God that's not just. So what I'm saying is, is the sin in our life has to be punished. And this is where the investment part comes in. There's the bad news. Y'all should be depressed right now. But the good news is 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could be the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin, to take the place of sin, my sin, your sin, everybody in this whole world's sin. The thing about the cross is not a bunch of Roman soldiers beating Jesus to death. Man, he's the God of the universe. He's not scared of some punk Roman soldiers. Think about it. No, the the thing is, is God put the weight of all of our sin, the punishment, the wrath, the anger. Isaiah 59.2 says that our sin has separated us. And all of that sufficiency needed to bring us back to God was put on Jesus in that punishment. And when we think about that, we see that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could be the righteousness of God. And we see the investment that God made by sending his son to become that sin for us so that we could be reconciled. I mean, how many times did you hear reconcile in that passage, Second Corinthians? If we're created to be in a relationship with God and our sin separates us from that, and that's our main purpose, our key joy comes from being in a relationship with God, then how much of an investment is it that Jesus paid the penalty for us to bring us back to the purpose in which we were created for? And that's the thing that we have to see. And Jesus promises, he says that if we repent of our sin and put our trust in what Christ did on the cross, that we will be saved and we will be reconciled back to God. And not only did he do that to reconcile us back to this relationship, he says that when we truly repent of our sin, turn from our sin and put our faith in Christ, he, puts, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says that when you heard the gospel, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And put your faith in it. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the seal of your inheritance to the day of Christ Jesus. So when you, when you heard the gospel, which I just shared, and you put your faith in Christ, he says, I seal you with my Holy Spirit. And it's the most genius plan of anybody I've ever seen. How can you ensure that somebody will follow you for the rest of their days? You give them a new heart. You seal them with the Holy Spirit that desires to do the things of God. That's how you, and, and Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So God has invested in us, man. And, and the thing about it is, is if we don't realize the magnitude of God's investment in our life, we'll never invest in the things of God. If we don't realize the magnitude of the investment that God has made in us, We'll never invest in the things of God. So that's the thing that we have to realize, that God's investment in us is not based on our ability or our talents, man. It's based on his goodness. He's the hero of this story. He's the one we lift up. He's the one we praise. We just sang about it. And the thing about it is, is if we don't do that, and, and I hear this all the time, man. All right, dude, all you do is share the gospel. Brandon, all you do is share the gospel. Every time I come, all you hear is the gospel. When are we moving to the meat? When are we moving past this spiritual milk to get to the meat? Dude, 
Hebrews, the first four chapters go through and all they do is explain this gospel, how Christ has become the new mediator for us in this new covenant. And he gets to Hebrews 5 and he says, about these things we have much to say. About this gospel we have much to say. But you have grown dull of hearing. God, I pray that's not us. I pray that's not me, that I would never grow dull of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. Pray that. And the thing we have to realize is that the day we stop growing in our love for the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the day we stop investing in the things of God. And I'm going to go through and explain what it means to invest. But the thing that has to be in our minds and in our heads right now is that God has made an investment in us. And because of that, because of our love for him, we invest in the things of God. And the day we grow weary and tired of loving the gospel of God is the day we quit investing in the things of God. And so before we can move anywhere, we have to get that. And once we get that, maybe you're sitting here, all right, man, I got you, dude. I know that gospel, man. I've heard it a hundred times. Have you? And you're like, okay, man, I understand that. But here's the thing. When they shared the gospel in the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, one question surfaced after they shared the gospel. Brothers, what shall we do? Since we've just heard this gospel, we've heard what God's done for us. What must I do? What shall I do? And that should be the question that we come to. Because of what God's done for us, man, what do I do? How do I return what he's given me? The prize that I would never earn. How do I return that? And here's what I want you to know. I believe God's called us to to invest in three things. From, From my study of the scriptures, I believe he's called us to invest in three things. The first thing he's called us to invest in is our relationship with him. The second thing he's called us to invest in is other people. The third thing I believe he's called us to invest in is the local church. So I want to spend the rest of the time talking about how we're called to invest in these things, why we're called to invest in these things, and what that looks like in our life. So the first thing is we invest in our relationship with God. So if you've got your pen, get it ready. Here we go. Um, we invest in our relationship with God. We see Jesus all throughout the, the Gospels going to these solitary places, off on a mountain, off by himself somewhere to spend time with his Father. We see it in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We see it in Luke 6, chapter 12. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Matthew 14, 23. Luke 5, 16. Matthew 26, 36. Mark 6, 46. Luke 9, 18. Luke 11, 1. We see, those are just a couple. I could sit here and name the whole thing, but man, Jesus invested in his relationship with the Father. He spent time with him. He talked to him. Don't you know if Jesus had to invest in his relationship with God? That we got to do way more and we, we have to invest just as much. And here's the thing. I've seen some statistics and it says the average Christian spends less than 10 minutes in God's word per day, less than 10 minutes in a week. Some people say that the average amount of time that a Christian spends in the word is around 52 minutes a week. So less than 10 minutes a day. And then if you take the other number with the weekly average, around 52 minutes a week. And that's just, that's just on average. And remember, we've, we got the 10K5 thing, which is our missions. There's 10,000 
80 minutes in a week, right? And only 52 minutes of those are spent in God's word, which is supposed to be the source of our life. Which is supposed to be the wellspring in which springs up. How can we trust somebody that we know nothing about? How can we do that? How can we trust somebody that we, we've, we don't know a thing about? We've never, we don't read the scripture, so we don't know that God's faithful. And he's been faithful since the beginning of time. We don't know that he's good and he's working all things out for the good who love him, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We don't know that. So the thing about it is, is man, we have to invest in our relationship with God. And, and it's so funny because it surfaces in our culture because we get this idea of, of these Facebook relationships. Like, I mean, you go to somebody's Facebook and you see how many friends they got and you're like, man, they're pretty popular. And we get this idea of what it means to be in a relationship with somebody is to be in a relationship on Facebook, right? And so we carry that over into our relationship with God. And this is what it looks like. All right, I'll just say I'm on Facebook and I see this uh, girl, her name's maybe Joy. That's nobody, but I'm just making her up. Um, So if your name's Joy, I'm sorry. Um, Joy, I don't stalk you. Um, All right, so I see this girl named Joy and I'm looking up her Facebook and I'm like, all right, man. She likes some pretty good music, you know. She likes uh, Hillsong. She likes Lecrae, check. Um, she, likes, she likes some good music. Man, she's got some Bible verses up. She must know the Lord. I look through her pictures, and it's like, man, she knows some cool people. Look through her friends, and it's like, man, this girl's got it going on. So now we're in a relationship. Dude, I hadn't even met the girl. If anything, I'm a cyber stalker. You know what I mean? And that's how we carry in our relationship with God is like we come and we hear other people talk about Jesus. We hear other people talk about Jesus. We just feed off of them. We say, man, yeah, I know him. I've heard about him. Somebody's told me about him. Think about it like this. I know everything there is to know about Herschel Walker. That's my favorite football player ever growing up. I can tell you everything about his life story. I can tell you he was born in Johnson County, Wrightsville. I can tell you he grew up getting picked on. I can tell you his sister beat him in a foot race when he was in middle school. I can tell you from that day forward, he did 2,000 sit-ups, 2,000 push-ups for the rest of his life. He's still doing, I think he moved it down to 1,500, but let's be serious. He's like 50. And I can tell you he won the state championship at Johnson County. Then he went on to play at the University of Georgia. I can tell you that Marcus Allen and some USC scouts flew a helicopter in to try to get him to go to USC. I can tell you he signed with the University of Georgia on Easter morning. After he went on a long run in which he did every morning and drag a tire down a dirt road. I can tell you anything there is to know about him. But if me and him were in the same room, he wouldn't have a clue who I was. And that's how we, that's how we relate our relationship with God. As we get to this point, man, I know everything there is about him. I've been told I've been to church. I've been in all these things. It's not my question. Do you know about him? My question is, do you know him? Are you in a personal relationship with God? And here's the thing that we have to understand. Jesus uses this word in John 15. He says, abide in me. That word abide, if you go back and look at it, means to make our home in. And Jesus used this example. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. That means if I'm a branch, he's the source in which I grow off of. He's the source in which I'm connected back into. And the reason we see Jesus going off back on a solitary place to spend time with the Lord is because he's the source. And and he's the source in which everything he does flows out of. 
So the thing we have to understand, if we're not abiding in God, hearing from God, investing in our relationship with God, spending time with God, we have nothing to give. We have nothing to give anybody else. We have nothing to give a church. We have nothing to give. So my question is, how are you doing with that? Are you spending time alone with God? Because I'll tell you this, you make time for the things that you care about. What do you care about? You care about your relationship with the Lord? You make time with that. So practically, Billy, all right, man, you're yelling at me. You make me feel bad. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I want you to do is to see the importance of spending time in your relationship with God. So practically, what does that look like? Well, we've, we've came up with this thing at the church that we're calling our two-a-days reading plan. Y'all may have heard a little bit about it. I came and announced it a couple weeks ago. And what it does is in 31 days, it takes you through the book of John, 1 John, James, and Proverbs. And every morning, it takes you through a chapter of those books and gives you a little devotional and kind of shows you what it looks like to spend time with God, to apply his truth to your life and to do those things. And we're going to give you an opportunity to get one of those at the end of the service today, so... That's what it looks like to practically. The second thing I said was, first, what? We invest in our relationship with God. Second is we invest in others. If you got your Bible, turn to John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. All right, here we go, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is Jesus talking. He says, the way people are going to know you is how you love one another. And he says that we're called to love people as Christ has loved us. And here's what I want you to know. There's a huge difference in inviting and investing. Because inviting really doesn't cost anything. No sacrifice in inviting somebody. You can just, hey man, you want to come? Da, 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 da. But investing is when we actually take the time to, to grow our relationship with that person. To show them that we care about them. To show them that we love them. And say, hey man, like, dude, I see what you're doing. Like, I see that where you're following. I used to do those things. And I was looking for my fulfillment, but I, I just couldn't find it. But then I met Jesus. And then you say, man, you want to hear about Jesus? Tell them about Jesus by all means and invite them to church by all means. Do all those things. But here's what I want you to know. Investing and inviting, there's a total difference. Investing involves sacrifice and inviting doesn't involve that much. And it, I don't mean to get on that. But it's the same thing with these tracks. Like, I mean, we, we've grown up. When I grew up, man, I, I got a track at like every, every corner I went to. And I'm like, man. Praise God, Jesus did not give me a track and run. And I'm not hating on tracks for people who love to go to another country who they can't speak our language. I understand all that. I understand they're good things. But here's what I'm saying. Praise God that Jesus pursued me when I turned my back on him and started running. Praise God that he came after me. Praise God he didn't just give me a track and run. I'm getting in trouble. Um, And here's the thing we got to understand, that Jesus in the passage says that we love people not because they deserve to be loved, but our motivation in loving people comes out of the fact that Christ first loved us. So we, listen to this, we love people not because they always deserve to be loved, rather because Christ loved us when we didn't deserve it. 
And, and that's what I say. We have to constantly come back to the gospel because if we're not living in dependence of the gospel, man, we treat people like crap. Oh, you're going out to the bars to get drunk. And then why are you doing that? Oh, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, shacking up, doing that. And we put ourselves up on this pedestal, forgetting the fact that we were that same person when we didn't know Jesus. The only difference in them and us is we know Jesus. And he saved us. He pursued us when we were in that. He didn't say, hey, here's a track. Go do your thing. You know what I mean? He didn't say that. I got to get off tracks. He didn't say that. Man, he pursued us in that. So that's what I'm saying is is we get this idea that, man, there's some people, maybe even in this church, in your small group and in these things, man, they are hard to love. They aggravate and they're obnoxious. I know that. I know that. There's some people in your family that are obnoxious and aggravating to love. And if you're like, there's nobody in my family, it's probably you, right? <laughs> and then you got people on the other side, man, they're easy to love. You love spending time with them. Y'all grow each other, man. Iron sharpens iron, right? Proverbs, you, 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 you grow one another. But here's what I want you to know, that when God puts his Holy Spirit in you, the ideal purpose for that is to grow you into his image. We get this big church word called sanctification. It means to grow into the image of Christ. And just as much as that person that spurs you on, that you love hanging out with, that you grow with one another, spurs you on, learning how to love this person who's aggravating and obnoxious the way Christ loved you, grows you just as much. And both of those come together to grow you into the image of Christ. And we need both of these people. So here's my question. When's the last time you've invested in someone for the sole purpose of showing them the love of Christ? When's the last time that you've invested in someone for the sole purpose of showing them the love of Christ? And here's what I know. There's no way. This is true in my life. I'm not just yelling at y'all. This is stuff that God's been killing me with all week. Here's the thing that I know. I cannot grow in my relationship with God and love people less. There's no way. There's no way that I can grow into the image of who Christ is and love people less. There's no way. And I would even go as far to say this. Our understanding of God's grace in our life That means he's given us something that we didn't deserve. Everything that happened on the cross for us to bring us back and to reconcile our relationship with him was not anything we did, but everything that he did. And he gets the, he's the hero in this story. And our understanding of that grace that he pursued us yet while we were still sinners, he still died. He died for us. Our understanding of that grace is directly reflected in the way that we treat other people. Our understanding of God's grace is directly reflected in the way that we treat other people. How are you doing with that? Here's how I like to think about it. If if somebody took a piece of duct tape and taped my mouth shut, I'm not saying that the gospel doesn't need to be verbally sung. Romans 10, 17 says that. I know that for you thinkers that are like, he's Um, Here's what I'm saying. If you duct tape your mouth shut and I follow you around with a video camera, somebody follows me around with a video camera, can they tell that I love Jesus by the way I treat other people? 
It's a good way to test yourself and test myself also. So practically, Billy, all right, man, you, you're saying we need to invest in others. You know, the Great Commission says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And lo, I'll, behold, I'll be with you to the end of the age. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. All right, out of love for God, I need to go invest. Practically, what does that look like? And here's what I say. Who has God put in your life right now that you can influence for Jesus Christ? Maybe every time you get around this person, you're like, man, that person needs Jesus. Ah, oh, but somebody else will tell them about them. I know they're going to church at this other place. They're going to this Bible study or doing that. No, here's what I'm asking. You know when you're around that person and you see somebody who needs the Lord. And God puts it on your heart to do it. He's put one, at least one person, probably more than that, in our lives. In each person's life in here who we need to influence with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to love them. We need to invest in them. We need to do that because here's the thing I know. First John 4, 7 through 12 says that how we treat them and the representation of Christ we give them may be the only representation of Christ they ever see. No pressure. Just kidding. Um, but really, man, how, how are you loving people? And, and who is that person in your life that God has put in your life to influence for Christ? Who is that? And we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that um, in a little bit. And the last thing, remember, we invest in our relationship with God, we invest in others, and we invest in the local church. And here's the thing that I know, and by the way, these aren't like options. Through God's word, these are steps of obedience. Like it's either obedience or disobedience. They're not options. I can pick one of the three. These are things that, um, and here's the thing, we invest in the local church. Think about this. If, if, if God, if, if in the Bible it talks about the local church as being the bride of Christ, get that picture in your mind. You're at a wedding ceremony. The groom's waiting. Doors open up and the bride comes in. The Bible explains Jesus and the church like he's the groom and the bride's coming through the door. Have you ever been to a wedding and looked at the eyes of the groom? When, the, when, the, when his bride is coming down the aisle, that's how Christ is waiting on us. He says the local church, the church is the bride of Christ. He also says it's the hope of the world. And here's what I want you to know. If, if, if we are the bride of Christ and the hope of the world, don't you know God's called us to invest in the local church, to sacrifice for it, to spend time in it, to do these things. And here's the thing I know. Ephesians 3.10 says that by looking at the local church, we see the manifold wisdom of God. There's nothing that shows the power of God more than a group of diverse people from all different backgrounds. And boy, do we got people from all different backgrounds in here. Coming together under one purpose, one common goal to make much of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Striving together side by side, forgiving one another, growing with one another. And striving together for, for, for this purpose to see Jesus Christ made much of. There's nothing that shows the power of that. Nothing that shows the power of Christ more than that. You look at the church in Acts. And you read through Acts 2, Acts 4. You see this, this, this wave that God does through his, through his church. That, that, and it says that they were of one common purpose. They were of one mind. He says they were heart and soul together pursuing this common purpose. And man, we will never be the church that God's intended us to be 
unless we get behind and we invest and we come together and walk alongside of each other for the one common purpose of making much of Jesus. It's not about coming in here and saying, oh, he's the best, he's the best worship leader in the, in the house, man, they rock it. Man, Brandon brings the word, he's the best preacher I've ever heard. Man, these seats are comfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not about that. People come in worship service and they're like, all right, scale of one to 10, I'll give it about a 7.3. Like 7.3, what? And, you know what I mean? And, and that's not what we're intended to do. The church is not a Sunday service. The church is the group of believers striving together alongside of each other and pursuing one common purpose and in that community striving together. And, and I want to read a scripture to you. And, and before I do that, I want to hit one more thing. As, as Ms. Tanya talked a little bit about 1 Corinthians 12, who did announcements a while ago and talked about God designed each person specifically to be a part of his body. But as long as we see the church as a service on Sunday rather than a group of people pursuing one common purpose alongside each other, it will never function as God intended it to. And every person in here has a certain gift. It may not be much of a gift or a talent. Look at me, I don't have that. And, you know, it, it, may, it may not be much of a gift, but every person in here is part of the body of Christ. And when we all come together and, and, and maximize our abilities and talents together, man, God will do something. But it takes us sacrificing and being selfless and saying, it's not about me. It's about Jesus and make much in, making much of him. And my joy comes from that. So why do I serve? Why am I in a connect group? Why do I give? Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And, and I want to read something to you. And this will jack you up real quick. Hold on. In a good way. Pump you up. Turn to Revelation, if you will. Chapter 19. Starting in verse 6. You ain't got your Bible? Sky Bible. All right, this is what he says. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude... Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. Remember we talked about that, the bride. And he says, and his bride has made herself ready. That's us. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Listen to this. This is who's coming for us. Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like the flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has his name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the true word of God. And the armies of heavens and arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury and the wrath of God the Almighty. 
On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who's coming back for us. And the question is, will you be invested in his bride? Will you be a part of what he's coming back for? And that's what he means when he says that his bride has been made ready and he's coming. And I'll tell you one thing, that passage right there either scares you to death or gets you pumped up. So, man, how are you doing with this? Are you invested in his bride and which he's coming back for? So, all right, Billy, you, you keep saying all these things that we need to do. So practically, what does that look like for me? And, and here's what we believe here at, at this church is, is that we believe you can be invested in and we, three main ways. We don't load you up with tons of different things. Here's what we say. We have people serve. You've seen them in blue shirts all around here, man. And, and they serve, like Miss Tanya said, with one purpose, to make much of the story of Jesus and what he's done. And because he is invested in us, we serve him to connect other people to this same God who's done a lot for us and who's done that for us. So that's our motive. The next way we do it is connect groups. Connect groups are our forms of small groups where you get along with, with 10 or 12 other couples or, or men or women or college student or high school student, whoever it is, and you pursue Christ together. And we need that. And that's, that's what I'm saying when I say invest in the church. We serve. We get in a connect group. The next way is we give financially. And this is the thing that God hit me hard with. Is you want to find the idol of your life? You want to find who's the God of your life? Follow your checkbook. Where's all your money going? If all my money's going to softball, God's not, he's not the God of my life. Guess what's the God of my life? If all my money's going to whatever, whatever it is in your life, fill in that blank. My God's not Jesus, is that. And so here's how I want to end it. I'm going to close with this. And, and, and every person in here has a next step. I try to leave y'all with practical steps to take every time I get the honor of sharing with y'all. And, and, and what I want you to, to see is that every person in here has a next step. And there's some of you in here that, Man, you've never heard that God has invested in you. You're like, Billy, man, you don't know me. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. Jesus is sufficient for you. No matter how far you run, turn back around, look up. He's right there. He is. No matter how far you've run. And here's what I want you to know that you've heard the gospel. You've heard what Jesus did for you on the cross. That man, God is holy. God is just. We are sinful. And there's a separation. Isaiah 59 two says our sin separates us from him. Our purpose is to be in a relationship with this God. And that's our joy. That's what we're created for. And Jesus had paid that punishment and sacrificed his life so that we could be in a relationship with God. And you know, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But what I want you to know is today you have that opportunity. You have the opportunity to be in what you were created to do. And here's what I want you to do. I'm not, I, I want you to be bold. And, and I'm going to pray. And, and when I pray, I want you to stand up. If you've got somebody that you're here with, I want you to grab their hand. They'll stand up right beside you. I promise. They'll be pumped up. And when you do that, man, we just want to celebrate with you. So I'm going to pray for us real quick. And if that's you, stand up. Grab the person next to you.